Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend and happy Father's Day to the dads out there. Later, WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey talks about the return of a heat wave that we're getting a brief break from right now over the weekend and Amber Philpot visits Mayfield six months after the deadly and disastrous tornado there. But first, Ashley Watts is here from the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. It's a challenging time for business owners right now still dealing with workforce issues, inflation, especially high fuel prices and now higher interest rates are bringing questions about the landscape ahead. COVID isn't gone and opioid addiction continues to bring its challenges. Ashley Watch is president and CEO of Kentucky's largest business group, the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, and we welcome you. Thanks for coming in. Thank Appreciate you so much it. for having me, Bill. You know, the hits keep coming for business just as it looks like the landscape might be clear for a while. What are you hearing from owners and executives about the higher costs that they're seeing brought on by inflation and certainly paced by these uh, higher gasoline and transportation costs. You're exactly exactly right. After COVID and then workforce challenges, we're now being hit with record high inflation. Inflation right now is at almost 9% and really kind of the target would be closer to that 2% number is what the feds like to use. So 9% inflation, just like it hurts individuals, it also hits businesses really hard as well. Businesses have to pay for their goods and services they then turn into their product it costs more to transport their products because the price of gasoline is so high and so in turn unfortunately sometimes this leads to, to higher prices for their goods and products and services that they're then passing on to the consumer but when inflation is at nine percent there really is not much else to do hopefully with the Federal Reserve um, upping the interest rates that will kind of slow down inflation a little bit uh, it really is kind of economics 101 there's too much money chasing too few of goods and so how do we get that under control? But it's a very challenging time for businesses. And so, but just like the last couple of years that they have adapted to the various challenges they've been facing, they will again, uh, you know, uh, deal with this challenge as well. When they have to make tough decisions. And, you know, as you said, as the interest rates are designed to sort of slow things down, that means maybe demand goes down for some products and they're going to have to adjust their sales. As they do that, do they reach out to, to you? Do they talk among themselves as business owners? owners about uh, how to uh, get through this with a strategy? Absolutely they do and I think especially small businesses which is the majority of employers here in Kentucky really do kind of lean on each other to kind of swap stories and swap what's working what's not working and really that's the role of the chamber and then also local chambers of commerce all across Kentucky is really to help businesses wherever they are at this period in time and really help them navigate all of this uncertainty and so there is a lot that we can learn from other businesses and you know unfortunately we have seen recessions before. We all remember the recession back in 08 and 09. And so we can kind of learn from that point in time of what we could do differently to hopefully make the impact not quite as severe. Can businesses uh, continue to expand or even secure inventory that they might need uh, if these interest rates keep going up? Is that another concern? That's a great question. That's something that we've really been focusing on is that we hear about Kentucky having a record, record level number of investments and that's very true. We have over the last couple of years and you think about the Ford plant, the new battery plant, Bowling Green and there has been a lot of investment here in Kentucky. Part of that is because during COVID interest rates were so low. I know many people probably refinanced their homes 
for 2% or less. And so borrowing money and being able to invest was much, much easier. Now with interest rates going up, it's just going to be harder for businesses to invest and kind of start new products or invest in new companies. And so I think we'll see some of that economic growth really slow down. This uh, electric car plant, uh, certainly the announcements of the battery plants in Kentucky are major. Uh, do you see that becoming a major sector of our economy? I do. You know, Kentucky's always been a manufacturing state, and especially automobiles, when you think about Ford and Toyota and GM, and this is really just kind of the next iteration of that. And so it really is kind of the, the, the future of automobiles will be battery operated. I think we all know that. And so having two of those plants located on I-65 in Kentucky is a very good thing for Kentucky and continuing to be the manufacturing state that we've always been. You hear other businesses talk about ways to take advantage of that fact? I mean, spinoff operations uh, or maybe businesses that might support uh, that uh, industry? That's really one of the best things that happens, too, when a large company like that locates in Kentucky. You can all, you can use Toyota as an example. When Toyota moved to Kentucky in the 90s, I believe, uh, suppliers started popping up all over Kentucky because they want to be close to that central plant, that central hub. And so with those two new battery plants, uh, Ford and the other one in Bowling Green, I do expect to see suppliers starting to come into the state in the next couple of years once they're up and running. You know, workforce issues have not gone away. Uh, you still see the, the, the now hiring. You, you hear the, the stories from business owners who say, you know, they just can't find people. Uh, how are Kentucky businesses dealing with what is a diminished labor pool? Even though our uh, unemployment rates are low, there clearly are fewer people uh, who are out there looking. Uh, even as they, those businesses still need to serve their customers. They do, and you know, we talked about inflation, and that obviously is a high priority of concern for businesses, but a recent survey actually showed that the workforce issue is still top concern for businesses. And though our numbers have gotten better over the last year since COVID, they're still very far down. And throughout the United States, there are three million less people working than there were pre-pandemic, if we kind of use those same levels. And so we still have a workforce issue here in Kentucky, and really across the United States, but it's really heightened here in Kentucky. We're in the bottom 10 in terms of workforce participation when you compare that to, to other states. And so one of the things the Chamber's really been focused on over the last few years is making sure that we can get those people that can work to work. Why do you think that is in Kentucky, that we have a low workforce participation? So we have said for many years it's a multifaceted problem that comes with multifaceted solutions. I wish there was one simple fix and we could get people back to work. And unfortunately, that's just not really how the issue is going. But there's a lot of things over the last couple of years. Child care is one of them. When child care was closed down, I have two children of my own, and that was a struggle. The health and safety, I think, of workers over you know throughout the pandemic was a concern. Then you also have to look at the federal benefits that came down through unemployment and some of those other uh, assistance. And so it really is a myriad of reasons of why we've lost so many workers. And it happened kind of over a shorter period of time. But I do think hopefully we're on the track that we will start to see those numbers pick back up. Some older workers apparently who had retired and gone into the workforce, uh, gone back in, then got pushed out by COVID, have been reluctant to go back as well right. over here. Yes, and we hear about the great resignation, that term. Yeah. I think if you were, you know, maybe a baby boomer and you were on the cusp of retirement and COVID happened and you're worried about your health and safety or you didn't really want to have to pivot and learn how to do the job in a whole new remote way, you might have gone ahead and retired. And we saw a lot of that, not only here in Kentucky, but across the United States. 
legislative session ended with some victories for the chamber. Uh, I assume that you thought it was generally good for business, including the plan to uh, begin to slowly roll back the state income tax. Yes, we've had uh, we, we had a debate within the chamber of is this the best session ever for businesses? And there have been some great successes over the last couple of years, but this session, session really does kind of top many of the others. Uh, you mentioned the, the tax reform bill. That was the top priority of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, and we were very successful in seeing that bill pass. And it sets us up on a path to um, drop down our income tax to 0%. So the number one thing we think that we can do to help attract more business business and attract population and keep the people of Kentucky here in Kentucky is to lower that income tax. We know states like Tennessee, Texas, Florida, those with lower income states do attract more population. It's, it's very clear numbers in the census. And so that bill was able to pass. That puts us on a path toward zero percent using a trigger method to make sure that we don't kind of overhaul the entire state budget, but that we do it in a very responsible way. The budget was a very good budget, obviously, with some federal dollars to help that, but very, you know, much funding higher education, K through 12, our public pension systems. We also did modernize our unemployment insurance system, which I mentioned really helps people get back to work and incentivizes people to get back to work and also to get retrained or reskilled. And then we worked on a child care bill as well, where if employers want to offer child care assistance as a benefit to their employees, the state will match that up to 100% of that dollar. So overall, there were a lot of victories but it was a very successful session for Kentucky businesses. Uh, you know, the workforce uh, situation out there is, is changing so much, and, and there are things that you, you have to know would create a rub between uh, employees and the employers. For instance, uh, there is uh, some experimentation now with a four-day work week mm -hmm. around the country. Uh, we don't know, uh, you know whether that is uh, going to catch on. Always a push for a, a higher minimum wage. Are those kinds of issues... Uh, things that are debated within the, the chamber members? They are, and they actually look to us to kind of guide, have some guidance on those. I get questions every day about the four-day work week or flexible schedules or what does hybrid work really mean? And this is really is just going to be the trend moving forward. I think post-COVID, especially with this generation of workers, they're looking for flexibility. They're looking for that, uh, being able to work from home some, different benefit packages, like I said, childcare. Some employers are offering that. And so it really Really is kind of making sure that we're that employer employers are adapting with the needs of employees and right now especially when we have such work workforce shortages across the state employers are getting really creative to really be able to attract those employees uh, we're heading into Juneteenth on Monday it has not been recognized as a state holiday here in Kentucky uh, some businesses and entities are doing that on mm -hmm. their own uh, you keep a pulse on the legislature do you think they will eventually make that a state holiday I very much hope so. Uh, businesses have been honoring this for the past several years. I know the Kentucky Chamber takes the day off for it as well and observe it. And so I really think as part of our history, we really should. And so hopefully the legislature will as well. Again, a, a workplace uh, issue. This is Pride Month. The LGBT community has some protections in some localities in Kentucky. There are no state anti-discrimination laws. Uh, do some businesses uh, make better efforts than others 
to recognize uh, the uh, diversity in the workforce? Many businesses across Kentucky are celebrating Pride Month and I think businesses all across Kentucky want Kentucky to be an inclusive place where people want to come and live and stay and work and raise a family and so I think Pride Month for many businesses across the Commonwealth is a really nice recognition of uh, the strides that have been made in the LGBTQ community. The Chamber has uh, tried to help with the opioid crisis. The overdose deaths keep climbing. It's uh, very disturbing. Are businesses engaged in, in trying to help with that tough challenge? Absolutely. You, like we've said before, COVID really heightened a lot of Kentucky's inequities and um, substance use disorder was absolutely at the top of them. Uh, we knew we had a problem before COVID and COVID just exasperated all of that. And so we've seen overdose deaths uh, increase you know, substantially over the last couple of years. From a chamber perspective, it's not only a public health emergency, it's also a workforce issue as well. And we want to make sure that those citizens that are struggling with substance use disorder can come back to work can get the treatment they need that they can be active citizens and so we do have two full-time employees at the chamber that work on second chance hiring and so really making sure that businesses are able to have those employees who are needing a second chance maybe coming out of recovery maybe coming out of incarceration and make sure that there's a smooth transition and that there's the resources needed to support that the chamber assisted with the tornadoes in western kentucky that's going to be an ongoing effort for some time. We're six months out now. Uh, does there seem to be steady progress uh, or at least uh, a lot of hope in those hard hit areas? We hope so. You know, it's been six months and so a lot of people have helped in a lot of ways. Uh, the chamber every two weeks we've kind of convened a little bit of a round table with all the various groups that have raised money and the nonprofits that have tried to help out in that region to really collaborate and make sure that we're all working together. Uh, the chamber did partner with Kentucky Sports Radio and Matt Jones and we were able to raise 1.7 million dollars for tornado relief so right now we're making sure how we can kind of spend that and be it put to use the governor also raised a substantial amount as well the federal government has come in to help and so I think this is something that will take years really to kind of tackle but I do think that there's quite a bit of help going to those areas and hopefully uh, we will see all of that kind of come to fruition soon what else is going on in the chamber that people out there may not know about that you'd like for them to know about uh, it's been busy time obviously at the chamber on July 11th we are having our second uh, women's summit and so we will be honoring Secretary Elaine Chow I think we're going to have uh, former UN ambassador Kelly Kraft uh, we are also going to be interviewing actually the mayor of Mayfield and kind of talking to her about how she led through disaster and so it should be a great day last year we had our, our first event and we had almost 500 women attend this year I think we're, we're scheduled to have even more so that's coming up on July 11th how are you Final question, are you going to get involved much in the statewide elections next year? So the chamber is, we do play in elections, uh, we do play in, in the legislative races and so the chamber has a PAC, a political action committee, and we do endorse and support candidates that have a good pro-business record and we did that in the primaries and we'll do that again in the general election. We do not endorse in statewide elections uh, but we do make sure that we are involved and that we have good lines of communication with them and so actually at our board meeting 
meeting next week we have a couple gubernatorial candidates coming uh, we've kept a good relationship with all of them as well as the governor to really make sure that the business community has a seat at the table for whoever does serve in those statewide offices Ashley Watts thanks for coming by from the Kentucky Chamber we really appreciate it thank you so much stay with us now we're coming right back with Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on this heat wave that is set to resume as we head into next week it's going to be another hot one we're back in just a moment Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're enjoying a brief break from the heat this weekend. Last week, those temperatures climbed way into the 90s. It felt close to 100 degrees a couple of days, and we were under a heat advisory for several days. The bad news, the heat coming back in the week ahead. And WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey uh, lets me join him. I've, I've Listen, granted an invitation. I'm, I'm glad you get to be the bearer of bad news there for a change. <laughs> got to tell it. To say the heat's well, coming back. I mean, you know? it, was a, you know, it was a pretty uncomfortable week last week. It was. Week, we right? had four days in a row, uh, Monday through uh, Thursday mm -hmm. of the heat that was just really off the charts. You had a heat index of 100 to 105. Now I say it's off the chart, we've been spoiled. Mm -hmm. We haven't had heat in the summertime around here. It, it's right. been a good three or four years since we had hit a heat index of 100 in Lexington. We finally did it and we're over here like it's something <laughs> we've never had before, you know? All right. Well, you remember in March we, when it was cold and exactly. we said people will complain when right. it's hot. Of course. We were getting cold weather deep into the month of May and, and now the heat has been been on but you know it was really nothing out of the ordinary I think uh, a lot of times Bill folks lose sight of Lexington and where we are yeah. traditionally Lexington will average about 30 days of 90 degree temperatures every year mm -hmm. and you know you'll get a, the occasional pop toward 100 degrees we didn't get even close to that this week but it was more the humidity so how does the National Weather Service decide yeah. when a heat advisory is needed well they're forecasting anytime when the heat index gets to around 105 degrees or better uh, for a heat advisory and it's got to do that for more than an hour for three straight mm -hmm. hours generally mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't technically meet that criteria uh, we were in the ballpark for it it's rare to have a heat wave that peaks on the first day last Monday was the hottest and the ensuing days each day it got a little cooler so it was kind of weird how it yeah, worked that yeah, way. Yeah. You know, normally it gets hotter as you go through. We had those uh, storms that rolled through Friday and yeah, some got a shower and some didn't yeah, and all of yeah, that. Yeah. You're a little concerned about how dry it's been. We have been really, really dry. Now the rain on Friday helped some folks out. They picked up about an inch of rain. But what's going to happen now as we go forward into the week ahead mainly dry. It doesn't take but a couple of really sunny hot days to dry that topsoil out. And the drier that topsoil gets, then the hotter that temperature can get as well. I suspect though as we go into the week ahead, we're going to see something similar to what we just had. A three or four day stretch of 90 to 95 and a heat index around 100. Uh, people enjoy the conversation we have behind the scenes oh, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. and I talk about what were interesting years, you know. Right. And uh, 2012 always strikes that to you. Every time we bring up weather, you talk it, about 
2020. It is the most extreme year on record if you think about that around here. You had the March 2nd tornadoes. Two days later, you had a snowstorm on top of that. You had the hottest spring ever recorded. And then all of a sudden, we in June, we hit record lows followed two days later by record highs of 100 degrees. We hit 105. We had seven days of 100 degrees or better in Lexington in a 10-day span. We had a derecho that knocked out power across much of the region. You had uh, uh, Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, that brought snow into eastern Kentucky on Halloween. Pretty so, extreme. Uh, right. Uh, so, so, you know, <laughs> the weather patterns are, are changing. Yeah, they do they seem are. to be more dramatic events yeah. uh, in the country these we're, days. We're way up here or we're, we're way down here. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no in-between anymore. And people say, well, your average temperature, you know what the average is? It's the point between two extremes. Mm-hmm. That's that's essentially what we're talking we're about when we extremes. say average. And now we're seeing those extremes that are even more pronounced. And, you know, we've seen it around here for the past several years. Look at our winter time. You know, we went a stretch where we couldn't buy a snowstorm, and now snowstorms around here are all of a sudden become common over the past right. five, six years. You know, Lexington, we've had a number of 10-inch snowstorms since 2015, when at 2015 we hadn't had one since 1998. <laughs> and sometimes they don't get rolling until February now, it, it, you know? Exactly. Which right. is yeah. interesting And then thing. it continues into springtime. So. All right, a few seconds left. Yep. It's a fun conversation, mm-hmm. but in this week ahead, when those heat, yeah. heat, heat indices are up again, People need to be careful out there. Just be careful. Take it easy. You know the drill. We went through it just this past week. We're going to go through something similar as the week goes on. And we hope some thunderstorms kind of cut the heat off at the pass before it can get out of control. All right? right. That's right. We don't want it to lock in. That's that's the key. All right. In just a moment, WKYT's Amber Philpot takes us back to Mayfield six months after those deadly tornadoes. Welcome back now to Kentucky Newsmakers. We're glad you're with us. Last Friday week ago was the six-month anniversary of deadly tornadoes that hit parts of western Kentucky. And our Amber Philpot recently traveled back to Mayfield to check on a community that's in the process of building back from the ground up. She saw firsthand the toll the tornado has taken on those who call that small western Kentucky town home. And while there is frustration, there is hope from those who are not giving up on some of the hardest-hit areas. When a tornado strikes, there is no rhyme or reason to its path. Last December, an EF4 tornado steamrolled parts of Mayfield. The small community was left unrecognizable. The scars on this town and its people run deep. Some are very visible and others more hidden. This was my daughter's bedroom and then my window was over here, so this wall was leaning. Pictures are all Ashley Hunt has left of the home in the Mayfield Housing Authority where she and her children and several others rode out the storm. You don't think it's really going to hit you, but it started tearing through the house behind us, so we're hearing the noise. The tornado ripped her house apart. Hunt's mom was on the couch near where a wall was blown out. In those terrifying moments, huddled with her children, Hunt leaned on her faith. So I pray, like holding their hands, and I usually have to make them say amen, but that day they said it so quick. So I changed from praying to praising and just thanking God events for keeping us. That tornado took Hunt's home, but it also took her children's sense of security. Um, every time it rains <laughs> and thunders, they're calling me and texting me at work, and I'll say it's not a tornado day, it's not tornado weather, it's not favorable for tornado, they're not calling for that, it's okay. Sometimes it surprises me that 
You know, I've been so thankful we had Mr. B with the city. Mayfield Mayor Kathy O'Nan, who hunkered down in her own home that night, doesn't frighten easily, but she says December 10th was scary. We are scared. Some of us are, are really scared. And um, I, I know that there are mental health outlets available to everybody. I just pray that people are taking advantage of, the, of those. As her town starts to rebuild, she's already seen a number of people thinking about storm safety in the future. We have never permitted um, storm structures before, so now we have a process for doing that. We treat it just like a garage, and people will have to come in and get a permit for that, but we're seeing some of that. Working out of a makeshift city hall in a strip mall, Mayor Onan is tasked with not only the day-to-day -day operations of the city, but also trying to piece it back together slowly. You know, here we are at the six-month mark, and I see so much progress in debris removal and some progress in rebuilding. So six months from now, I really am excited about what we will see. The city has now hired an urban planner and an architect to begin the process of imagining what the future Mayfield will look like. In some regards, there is a lot moving forward here in the city of Mayfield, but for others, they're still waiting, just hoping to get their life back to where it was. It's very frustrating. Um, it's also frustrating, not just for me, but for other people. You know, whenever it first happened, it gave me hope when I seen all these people here. Candy Burgess is one of those who feels stuck. I bought this home rent to own, so it means a lot to me. It's my first home that I'm buying. I'm, I was excited. If you pass by her house just a few blocks from downtown, you might think her home looks fine, but it's not. At first, you know, I thought, okay, it's the roof, it's the window, and it's the siding. No biggie. A month ago, she learned the tornado actually shifted the house off the foundation and the floor is buckling. But getting help has been hard. She needs an estimate, but Burgess says no one really wants to touch the home. I have to have estimates of how much everything's going to be fixed before I can apply for anything. And I have about four applications in my house right now that's ready to be sent in, but I have no estimates. We have an onboarding or a screening process, all the survivors. Ryan Drain is the executive director of the Mayfield Graves County Long-Term Recovery Group. He works directly with people like Burgess. We work on the micro level with individuals and help them develop their individual recovery plan. With more than 500 homes either damaged or destroyed, the challenge has been great. Drain says there have been 4,000 FEMA applications submitted and his community agency tries to help people navigate the process. We have advocates that actually assist with uh, FEMA applications, work with uh, Red Cross, help them advocate for their insurance. Uh, we have multiple attorneys who are doing stuff um, you know, for free for our survivors. Drain is also well aware of how difficult the last several months have been for so many. The spirit is really strong. Um, you know, the fatigue is also there though as a community. The tornado ripped so much away from this small western Kentucky town. Its hold even six months later on people like Candy Burgess and others is still real despite the storm being long gone. It's hard and you just wonder, you know, will we ever be back to the way we were?
So the challenges remain, certainly. Burgess said that crews have since told her that the house is too compromised to fix and she's not sure of its future. And we also asked Mayor Onan about a permanent memorial to the lives lost and she says that is a top priority for Mayfield once they have a proper location that is meaningful for it. Well, that is Kentucky Newsmakers. We certainly do appreciate you very much for joining us. In fact, for all these years, thanks for being here for Kentucky Newsmakers. We hope that uh, you have a good week ahead.